Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. podcast host for today, Sarah Gaynor, and I am here with JC Rodriguez and Isabel. And today we have a special guest with us, Elaine from Community Weatherization Coalition. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. How about you tell us a little bit about the Community Weatherization Coalition and how that got started? Sure. So the CWC, or Community Weatherization Coalition, we started, technically started Around 2005, 2006, the conversation started to help lower the utility bills of our neighbors in need. We officially got started in 2008 training volunteers as energy coaches to help go into homes and do free home energy tune-ups to help them get a handle on their utility bills, understand their utility bills, and conserve resources. Very cool. So what does the Community Weatherization Coalition do? Like, What does that process look like? Our main program is to provide free home energy tune-ups. So we do that for Alachua County residents in need, and we help homeowners and renters. So they fill out an application online or in our office, or we can mail them one. And uh, once they apply, we schedule them for a service, and it averages between two and four hours. So it's a really comprehensive survey of their home. We sit down and help them understand their utility bill and answer questions about their bill. We usually send two volunteers to the home and show them things like where their water meter is and where their electric meter is and how to read those, help them identify behaviors that are maybe causing their bill to spike, as well as check for leaks and things like that, that they might not know why their water bill has spiked. And it's the fact that they have a toilet leak that's slowly adding up over time. Yeah. What are some common misconceptions about the CWC in energy conservation? What do you hear a lot from people in Alachua County? Well, I hear a lot that um, a lot of people don't think their behavior can affect their bill. They, They say that our utility rates are high here with our public utility and that I would say there's a lot of blame on that instead of empowerment of what they can do in their own homes to help reduce their bill. And then misconceptions about our organization. I think we're very small. We just last year got our second paid staff member. So over 10 years, we had about one, we had just one paid staff member. So we are small and still trying to get the word out and get visibility out. So I appreciate you having me today. But I would say that a lot of people think we go into the home and do a survey and and make it, you know, give advice, but maybe not help them lower their bills. So we are also installing $90 worth of supplies, shower heads, LED light bulbs, faucet aerators, pipe insulation, and some safety measures like carbon monoxide detectors and things like that. So uh, people don't realize that we install those things as well. So even if they don't take our advice about taking a shorter shower and they still take a 20-minute shower, we know that that shower head that we're going to install is going to save a gallon of water a minute plus energy to heat that water. What's great about that too is if somebody is taking a shorter shower, that may last a 
chunk of time after you leave, you know, they get that information. And for the next week, they're really diligent about that. You know, I'm going to take a shorter shower. And then over time, those showers get longer again. But if you're installing a low flow shower head, you know, that's going to last time and time again. So they'll see that result for a long time. I think what happens a lot of times with a lot of these things is that people really have to change their habits almost. Mm -hmm. So do you find that that's part of the conversations you're having with people and, you know, more than just identifying what the issues in the house are, that they also really basically you're going to remember that after that LED light bulb uh, burns out, whenever that happens, that they have to go and buy one to replace that one and not buy the regular one, sort of things like that. Do, do you have those conversations at all with we do. Um, we also, at the end of our home energy tune-up, we ask them to make a commitment. So we have implemented community-based social marketing that shows if people commit to one thing, they're more likely to commit to another. So we also do a follow-up survey afterward. About a month later, we send a summary of what we found in a satisfaction survey, and we check on them to see if they made that commitment. And what we found is that they're usually doing that plus more. So it's been really rewarding to see those changes. Right, yeah. How do people find out about you? We have a website, communityweatherization.org, but we're on Facebook and Instagram. A lot of our uh, clients come to us via referrals from other organizations, partners like Alachua Habitat, Rebuilding Together, North Central Florida, other groups that do more critical home repair, and they might get a new roof, but their utility bill might still be three or $400. So there's a lot of other things that, you know, that client can be helped with. So a lot of them are word of mouth these days too. So as we've increased our capacity and staffing, we used to do about 100 a year, and now we're serving 150 homes a year. So wow. just happy clients referring people to us has been the best. So this is a totally free service for any of your clients. It is free, yep. And for any Alachua County resident, we do focus a lot on the in city of Gainesville. So we are free thanks to our funders, the city of Gainesville, GRU, Alachua County, private foundations and grants and, you know, local companies and businesses and individuals. How did you get started with the organization? I got started about five years ago, and I was volunteering with another local nonprofit called We Are Neutral that helps with carbon offsets and mm -hmm. retrofits. So I was familiar um, with them, but I had never heard of the CWC, and mm -hmm. even though we had been around since 2008. So mm -hmm. I was referred from a, a friend that was involved with them in the past. Because I'm wondering, you know, for people who listen across the state and other folks who might be interested in either starting a organization similar to CWC in their counties or, you know, their cities, how would they go about doing that? Or, you know, do you know where maybe they can find information, advice, and, and do that sort of thing that you guys do? Because I'm, I'm going to guess that not every county or every town in, you know, around the, the state has people like you who can help them with, you know, saving on energy uh, in their household? Yeah, that, that is a great question. Something we've been thinking about a lot lately. Every community, every city, when we talk about affordable housing, utility costs are such a huge part of that. So, and also with climate change and all the impacts that we can have on our energy sector. So that's been a huge conversation this year. Actually, this summer with our strategic planning, we talked about how we can grow to other areas and being so small, you know, we don't have the resources to go start CWCs all over, but we did have the, a local county, um, Sarasota County shadow our training last year. Mm -hmm. And so their sustainability department, not every county has that, but 
they were able to start their own very similar program there, training volunteers as energy coaches, and they call them energy sweeps. So that's been really rewarding just to feel, you know, be a model program that others are are implementing. Uh, we've talked about spreading through other ways as well, like Rebuilding Together is our uh, parent organization. They do critical home repair and they helped us get started in 2007. So we talked about going that way, like Habitat and Rebuilding Together. They have affiliates all over the nation. So Mm -hmm. spreading that way makes sense as well. Right. Yeah. You mentioned climate change and I'm just wondering what the relationship is between, you know, the electricity in your home and, you know, greenhouse gas emissions. So Energy that we produce, energy that's created, whether we use it in our home, we don't have to burn as many much as much coal and coal fire power plants. So all of that has an impact. We don't often think about it in our household when we flick on the switch on the lights, but we can contribute greatly to reducing carbon emissions by using less energy. And the more we demand less as a community, the less power plants we have to build and things like that. Do you find that your clients are receptive to that sort of information or are they looking more just to save save money? Our focus is on the low-income community members, so those that we can that have the biggest energy burden, but we have we accept clients anyone from Alachua County of any income level. We don't have qualifiers for our program, so we do see a varied interest level in, you know, helping the environment as well. But the clients that are on the lower income scale are most concerned usually with saving money, you know, right. but at the same time, they want a better future for their children and grandchildren as well. Absolutely. Do you only go into residential homes? Did, does the person have to own their home? Do you do apartment buildings and things like that? Being in a college town, most yeah. of what's around us is, uh, you know, student housing things. We do help renters. Actually, about 50% of our clients were renters last year. So we do go into rental homes and rental apartments. They do not need their landlord's approval. We're changing things like light bulbs that can be changed back, shower heads, and focusing so much on, especially with renters, we're focusing way more on where they're setting their thermostat and the things that they can do, mm-hmm. not so much, hey, you need more attic insulation or the things that they don't have control over as a renter. Oh, very nice. So if I'm a very warm-bodied person, mm-hmm. and I have heard that the setting should be set at 78, and that just sounds sweaty to me. Um, is there a way to sort of look at each thing on a dollar amount and kind of say, if I'm, you know, keeping my AC at 74, then, you know, I can save a little bit by taking a shorter shower? Do you break it down that way for people? Not per dollar, per, per se, per behavior. That's hard because it really varies on like your heating and cooling system and what mm-hmm. type of water heater, how old it is. There's so many factors. But they do say for every degree you go in the summer, the recommended setting is 78. And in the winter, the recommended setting is 68. And that's not comfortable for everyone, like you said. So Mm -hmm. we try to meet people where they are. If you're setting your thermostat 70 degrees in the summer, we encourage you to try just one degree warmer. And that would save 4 to 5% per degree So on your energy bill. So you can, you know, test it out. And we say, don't make that big switch all at once. Yeah. Just try it for a few weeks, get acclimated, you won't even notice. Yeah, that that I could probably adjust to uh, slowly. <laughs> Which is, I saying earlier, when it comes to habits, uh, and that's what I've read and, and heard over the years, is that if you start trying to change your habits, one, I guess, one small step at a time, then you're likely to stick to those habits better than trying to change something suddenly and, and, and thinking that, you know, 
you're just going to stick to it. Uh, it typically doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. People just, I mean, their habits, they go back to their old habit quickly. Mm -hmm. So I, the idea of changing, you know, one degree, I like that idea because I think that is maybe not as noticeable, mm -hmm. as you said, than changing it five degrees or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, behavior yeah. change is definitely hard. But yeah. hopefully they'll be incentivized once they see their bill. If they can stick to that habit for 30 days and they see their next bill. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's motivating. You might develop new habits with the money you're saving. That's true. <laughs> that's going to be hard to give up too. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds to me like you have two employees at your organization, and this must really run off of your energy coaches. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about that process and how you become an energy coach? Sure. We um, we definitely are volunteer powered, we say, and our staff does help with tune-ups, but the majority of what we are doing is scheduling and coordinating those volunteers to go to those trainings. So. We do have a biannual energy coach training. So our next one is coming up March 24th. So it's a three-part training. It's March 24th from 530 to 8.30, March 31st, 530 to 8.30, and Saturday, April 4th from 9 to 3. And it is um, you know, a 12-hour workshop up front. So it is a big time commitment up front. But once you take the training, it's really flexible. And you can do a home energy tune-up once a month every other month, a couple of years. So very flexible, very rewarding opportunity. So we do, you know, have volunteers motivated by, you know, saving resources and helping conserve water and energy. We have other volunteers that want to help their neighbors in need. And it's just an overall really rewarding, hands-on action that you can do to help the climate and your community. So the energy tune-up, you said that process is anywhere from two to four hours. Mm -hmm. What does the resident need to have with them in order for that to happen? Do they just need to be present or what do they have to have with them? We do want them to be present and take part as much as they're comfortable or physically able. So not everyone, if they're disabled, they can't always go out to the water meter and help us dig out the water meter and find that shutoff valve. Um, so whatever they're comfortable with following us along as much as they want to, a lot of times they're right there taking notes and asking questions. And the only thing that we ask of them is their time and then to have a utility bill handy, a recent utility bill, so we can see where they're currently at. So we might focus on water if their water is really high for one person or, you know, depending where they where they have a spike. Okay. In terms of water use, what would be, does it depend on, you know, the number of people obviously that live in the household or what would be something that you would recommend for, you know, a single person living in a one bedroom or two bedroom apartment? So if it's a renter in an apartment, it's different. Usually, depending on the neighborhood, irrigation could be the highest, but a lot of our clients aren't irrigating. Right. So outdoor water use is not an issue, but Sometimes in an older home, an older toilet, the toilet is actually the biggest household water use. Everyone always thinks it's the bath or the shower. So, yeah, we do things like we put a toilet tank bank in there that displaces water. So it's like a little bladder that you fill up and it saves 0.8 gallons of water on every flush. So we check for leaks on the toilet and under sinks and things like that. And then we install the shower head. So the other things water-related are faucet aerators on the kitchen and bathrooms as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What is some of the most common advice that you're giving to people during your audits? Probably what, what we touched on earlier, the temperature settings, because that is the biggest energy user typically in a home is the heating and cooling. It's mm -hmm. the largest system. So focusing, if 
if their settings now are really the opposite. Sometimes we have people setting their AC at 68 and that's what the heat's supposed to be at. So um, just helping them. Sometimes they have 68 and 78 in their head, but they have them switched in the seasons. (laughs) So a lot of the focus is on that and also like how to maintain that system. Most of us drive a car and uh, we get our oil changed. So that routine maintenance is going to help it last longer. So checking your filter and your heating and cooling system Changing it when it looks dirty can not only help it run longer, but can help your air quality too. So we focus a lot on that, but um, it's just really comprehensive. So it's really varies between, you know, depending on what home we go into, what we focus on and what their questions are. Is there anything inside of the home that you can't do? There are. So if we find something more, a more major finding like a roof leak, you know, Mm -hmm. our group isn't doing that critical home repair type of thing, but we are recording it. And if they're a homeowner, we can refer them to other organizations that might be able to help. A lot of times, even just behavior of like leaving lights on and TVs on, we we walk into a home and see that a lot and they complain about their utility bill. And meanwhile, there's a TV on in every room and the lights on in every room and people aren't all in the room. So fans and lights and that type of thing, that, that can really add up. We talk about some other little things, what people think are little things like phantom loads. So people call them phantom loads or standby loads. And that's electronics. We have a lot of gaming systems now and tablets and gadgets and cable boxes and all of those TVs, they're often in standby mode. So they're still, they're called vampire loads because they're still sucking energy even when they're not in use. So sometimes they can be using a third of their energy just while they're off, ready and that, that lights on, that clocks on. So getting a power strip is one way to solve that. So that can be kind of an easy and quick thing that people could do right away. Um, you know, when they're ready to leave the house for the day, just remembering to, or when they go to bed at night, shutting that power strip off is a good tip. So it's it would be like if people don't have a power strip, but appliances that are not being used, including the TV and stuff like that, or the uh, charger for your phone, mm-hmm. if it's plugged in, that's still sucking energy. Yes, it's best to just they could just it. unplug it if they don't have a um, yeah if they don't have a power strip. Okay. Not everything. Don't unplug your fridge. Or your- <laughs> we, have, we have people unplugging everything. So it's especially the items with the lights and the clocks. So your coffee maker, your microwave, things like that are sucking energy when they're not in use. So you're paying for that for no reason. I read that fans are for cooling people, not for cooling spaces. Mm-hmm. And that was just so enlightening to me because I just never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, leaving the ceiling fan on or something is going to keep the room cooler. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Apparently that's not the case. There's a lot of those little things. So when you brought up roommates, um, I remember having a friend in college. She needed a shirt, so she just threw a shirt in the washer, like one thing, and it drove me crazy. (laughs) Um, So those are things that we talk to people about, like how many loads of laundry do you do? Do you do four loads, little loads a week in hot water, or do you do one or two large loads in cold water? So those things really make a difference. Yeah, I had a roommate that he ran the dryer two or three times because for whatever reason the clothes were not being dried during the first cycle so he just ran it again and then a third time yeah so that's how I um, iron my clothes throw them in the dryer which is probably not good advice I can get away from that I'm sure (laughs) the dryer is a big energy hog yeah yeah and it also adds a lot of heat to your space so if it's inside in the Uh summertime your AC is kicking on more It's, it's Kind of like an oven, it's pretty energy intensive. So for the dryer, we'd recommend hang drying or line drying your clothes if you can. 
And if you're in an apartment or you don't, you're not able to do that, you know, it's not always an option for everyone. So yeah, no, it's an option. I should just, <laughs> <laughs> I should just do it. Yet sometimes I just grab my clothes and I'm like, this just needs to be fluffed up a little bit and throw it in the dryer. That's such a terrible habit. I'll have to get away from that. I'm glad that you're now here. You know. Yeah. I just did it this morning. <laughs> so is there anything else that you could tell us um, about the energy audit that we haven't haven't discussed and uh, people should know about? Just reminding everyone it's free and yeah, and that it saves people like data wise. I'm sure you guys would want to know that yeah. we do have a lot of data that looked at all of our old uh, energy audits and over the years and analyzed them. And it found that we're saving people on average $255 per year and about 6,200 gallons of water and nearly 1,700 kilowatt hours of energy. So that means over the years, we've helped over 1,200 families in our community, in our county, and that's saving, you know, it's saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of gallons of water, and kilowatt hours of energy. So when you think of it cumulatively, like our little group of volunteers is, has made a, a huge impact. That's fantastic. Uh, one other question, does the Gainesville Utilities, are they on board with you guys? Do they send people your way? Do you have a great relationship with GRU? We are. We've had a relationship with GRU since the beginning, so they helped in our early stages, and they're still supporters, and we are very grateful for their support. So they, we are funded in part by GRU through the city of Gainesville. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Would you happen to know of, of maybe a list, or how would you recommend for people to find out uh, where they can maybe you know find someone like you in, in their towns? For those people who listen to Fresh Steak in other towns there's actually not a lot of organizations like us but there are similar energy audits or surveys offered through their local utility provider so gru does offer a local they do offer an energy survey but Mm -hmm. they're usually going in they're doing you know a thousand or more a year Mm -hmm. so they're going in to pinpoint your bill spike or identify that specific issue Mm -hmm. so they don't have the time that we do with the volunteers. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would first advise people to check with their local utility and see if they can offer a service mm-hmm. that's similar. But there's not many groups that offer a volunteer-driven program like ours. We've had someone help find programs across the country, and there's not that many. Oh. Yeah, but there's definitely a need for it. Yeah, I agree. Well, we appreciate you coming in today and sharing all of this information with us and everybody. Tell us one more time where they can find you online. Our website is communityweatherization.org. We are on Facebook and we're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. So you can check out um, some different interviews and tips that we have. And we're always adding more videos on that. Great. We're going to share those links as well on our podcast page so everybody can find you there. Well, thank you again so much for coming and chatting with us today. We really appreciate your time and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 